Okay, so hello and welcome to the Cucumber Podcast. I'm joined today by Matt Wynn. Hi! Uh, today, Matt has invited Marcin Florian and Sebastian Lambler. Uh, so Matt, uh, tell me, who are these guys and why have you invited them? No idea. I just met them on the street earlier. They seemed interesting. Uh, I actually met, uh, I've known Seb for years. We used to work together at a major public sector British broadcaster. Back when I used to make C sharp programs, um, and I think Seb's mostly still doing that um, these days. And we, we bumped into each other the other week at the Lean Agile Scotland conference in Edinburgh, which was an excellent conference. Um, but I was rushing off somewhere and I had to go. Um, and I didn't get to see their talk, but we had a good long chat about what they were going to talk about. And it sounded phenomenal. It sounded really interesting. Um, and so I just thought, like, you know, because I didn't get to go to their talk, but I have a podcast, I could just get them to come on the podcast and like do the talk again and tell us all about it. So it's just to- totally so you want them to do the talk again. Well, except that we get to ask them questions as well. So it's like a personal rendition of the talk okay. just for us and the all the Cucumber podcast listeners. Seems all right, doesn't it? Sounds yeah. awesome. So where do we start? What what was the what was the subject of the talk? Well, let's let's let these guys tell us about it. I think. Okay, hi guys, I'm Marcin. Uh, so uh, maybe I can give you a little bit of a background. Uh, I worked with Seb for the last uh, what was it a year, Seb? Uh, something like that. Um, uh, we worked together on a nice little team uh, where we tried lots of different things uh, that were somehow related to Agile, but we mainly focused on on basically building a really good quality piece of software. Uh, and we realized that that some of the experiences that we had uh, meant that uh, we threw away some of the tools that, that are maybe very common uh, and instead adopted some other approaches. Uh, and we just wanted to share this experience because uh, the outcome for us felt really good. Independently from the, the bloggeristas um, that, that may or may not have blogged about similar concepts, the, the real conversation was, are we at a point in our industry where we just adopt practices and tools over, over just finding out what makes sense for each team and actually what would happen if we just stopped following all the rules that have been created by other people in other environments and just created something brand new based on our needs as opposed to based on, um, based on just following the herd. So that's kind of what we did with the with the project we were on. So they abandoned all their agile practices. They threw it all away and started from scratch. Basically, there's a room of them in a the, the they're in a room. Nobody's telling them what to do. They can make up and do whatever they like. So so what was the first thing you did on day one? So I think it's 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 probably uh, it wasn't quite day one <laughs> because it, we didn't start with a big bang. It was a team that was organically coming together. Uh, working on little bits and bobs. It, it pretty much started off with uh, myself just uh, building a little uh, service uh, that, that needed to send some emails out. Um, and, uh, and then it turned out that, uh, you know, I needed to go away on holiday. <laughs> so I couldn't carry on doing it myself. Uh, but there were two really good guys uh, who were kind of uh, available at the time. Uh, so j- they joined in in the effort um, and then started um, kind of taking that little service on and started looking at some more work. Um, and then eventually from that, we also um, 
took Seb on board um, because we heard about all the kind of great architectural things he was doing in another project and and our our new kind of piece of software was was going to be a significant re-architecture of, of uh, one of the platforms that the company was using. Uh, so so eventually, you know, we this kind of grew organically. So where, where did we start, Seb? Yeah, I think, I think we didn't really start from zero. I mean, we, we, we started from zero in terms of removing all the tools, but there was a kernel of practices that I had at heart, some other people had at heart. So <clears throat> when we say we started from zero, I think conventionally everybody already had um, accepted a uh, an approach to TDD, which I call VEST, which is a way to, to, to write your test first and to do outside-in testing and to do um, uh, and to do full stack testing continuously in a BDD fashion. This, this was kind of the kernel of the testing methodology that was from the ground up. I think a couple of other approaches that we had very early on, like BDD and trying to do the discovery uh, in human language and avoid technicalities, all these things were practices from a more of an extreme programming background that were just part of who we were. And so when we said we started from zero, we started from zero, but with what we considered to be the minimum amount of approaches that we would be comfortable with. I think the the things we threw out of the door were, were the agile, a lot of the agile practices, the wall, uh, the uh, working single or pair programming. We removed all this stuff and we started mobbing. I think that was a big, big first thing that we did. But the, the, the technical practices were already in there, in place, uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery, uh, test-first development, acceptance test-driven, um, BDD, those practices were really the, when we say we start from zero, the zero includes all these things. So it's a big, big zero. Yeah. And and we also had uh, continuous integration and some infrastructure. Tell us more about the things you threw away then. The, the things that many people might be doing today that maybe they don't need to be doing. So I think the, f- the first thing that we threw away straight away, uh, which was the way that, that the company um, was generally working and the people who came onto this project were otherwise doing was pairing. So we did a lot of pair programming up until that point. Uh, and we got together as a team, five people who, you know, used to do pair programming every day, pretty uh, religiously, I would say almost, right? And and we said, this doesn't seem to work in this uh, scenario. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about why. Um, uh, the stand-ups, uh, we were only five, and we kind of did them, tried them for a little bit, and mm-hmm. it turned out that they were mostly status updates. Yeah, you know, when the, the project managers would come around and and looked whether we were actually gathering around the wall. Oh, that thing. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then we threw, threw away the wall, uh, which ended up, uh, you know, not being very informative for us, as a team, so for the purposes of our progress, it it didn't e- really inform us much in terms of you know what we should do, what way we should go, what you know it's yeah. So these were the three big things. There's another. There's another two things as well that we threw away. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not, that I disagree. I think there's another two major ones that we disagree. And those, those are pet peeves of mine. So we 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 removed. Um, Planning sessions. Yes, true. Complete yes. waste of time planning sessions. 
So we removed those ones. Uh, we removed the systematic um, periodical, um, oh, how do you call them? I forgot the word in English. Um, retrospective, yes. The let's fix problems, but only on a fixed amount of time. So we, we, we removed the idea of having systematic retrospectives every two weeks as well, because that's also a little bit a silly practice from my point of view. I mean, I, I didn't think, Seb, you would be sacrosanct so quickly, right? <laughs> we, we, di we did throw away uh, retrospectives, but, uh, you know, talk to anyone and they would say, if there's one thing that saves Agile, these retrospectives, and, and we threw them away. But, uh, but we didn't quite just throw them away as a concept altogether. I think uh, all of us had um, the, the idea of feedback and systematic feedback and feedback about what's happening very dear at heart. Uh, but yeah, but the idea that you meet once every couple of weeks and artificially suddenly kind of try to regurgitate the things that you went through and and refry your old emotions that have long ago passed uh, just didn't seem to resonate with us at all. I think I think I think I think I think you're killing you're killing my thunder because I'm just doing big fat statements for marketing purposes and you're just trying to be logical <laughs> and. and <laughs> and balance. So let me let me just clarify. We threw away the default way to the different tools, the different patterns that people use to solve certain problems. It doesn't mean that we don't care about those problems or we don't care about solving the same problems. We just didn't want to reuse the same tools as everybody else because a retrospective every two weeks, a planning session that takes three hours with little poker cards, or a daily stand-up with people standing in a row and reading what they've been doing last week. That, that's the tools that we threw away. Right, so those are just the how. They're just the mechanism for achieving a goal. And what you were doing was stepping back and saying, right, what's the goal? And have we got a different way of achieving this? Or you, maybe you'd already realized that you had a different way of achieving it, so you didn't need those tools yeah. So, how did you decide? How did you decide to throw these things away? What was it all at once, or was it like one by one? How did it happen? I think every single time we would, uh, you know, we we were uh, very opinionated on the team. Uh, maybe particularly Seb and myself, but other I guys, agree. <laughs> <laughs> other guys as well, um, and and we were very very uh, sensitive to things that didn't work. Right, so we were trying to keep our eyes peeled, really, for stuff that didn't seem to give us any benefits. So, so pairing was probably the first thing that came out. You know, we we threw away because uh, because we noticed that the work that one pair would deliver would sometimes be uh, re redone by another pair. Uh, some dis design decisions that were. Lo made locally within the pair as a local optimum uh, were then re-evaluated and changed. Uh, and, and these things indicated to us that this pairing in this context is missing something. And I'm sure, you know, we could have done better collaboration on the designs and do something up front, but this was not something we felt that comfortable. So we were we were looking for another solution. Yeah, we, we, we saw a tweet that said, mob programming, it's cool, try it. So we did, and that's about how it started. I think that, that, was, that was the first thing was to remove the pairing because we felt that we, we felt that we were not productive because because a lot of rework was happening, a lot of time was spent trying to reshare what was done between the pairs, and we just didn't really move yeah. very fast. 
I think there's also the side of it. I don't know, Martin, if you remember, but we used to mm -hmm. have conversations about how pairing is not always pairing. And that I felt, person, I, yes. I always feel very frustrated when I'm working pairing with someone that doesn't work the same way I do because it's trying to produce in the concept of the pairing session and the ping pong, uh, the ping pong game with someone that is there to learn. And I think, I think we saw that from a very early... Yeah, what you're trying to say is you get too frustrated when people don't know all the keyboard shortcuts that they should, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, there is half of that, but I think there's, there's also just the realization that teaching and producing are not necessarily the same approach to pairing. Yes. And you can't be in one mode or the other. So while I would really enjoy pairing with Martin because we would kind of grudge at each other to, 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 to get to the curve we want, uh, with other developers on the team, it would be a, a slower approach where I would explain more of the concepts of what I have behind. And switching between the two phases, production and teaching, when it's not made explicit was a little bit, a little bit frustrating. So I'm not perfectly attached to pairing because of that. And I think it's also fair to say that this, this wasn't necessarily uh, teaching in terms of teaching the basics, right? Because it was also uh, teaching and sharing about the idea and the vision for the product. So, you know, it, the team we had was, was a bunch of really good guys, experienced developers, uh, probably some of the best in the company. Uh, but it was still about, you know, how do you, how do you share your idea, your concept of where this product should go, for example? Or, you know, or how is the, the approach to testing going to work or, or the direction to take on the APIs? And and is that is that partly the 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 re redesign work that went on? Like you maybe have that conversation with one pair, and then another pair would come into that piece of work, and they'd have to have that same conversation again. Precisely, yes. Yeah, and 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 I think what you said was that you didn't throw away pairing and everyone go and work on things individually. You actually all came and worked together the whole time as a mob. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think, I think it, it started as trying to mob a little bit, uh, like mob in the mornings, and then very quickly it got to let's mob all day long because why not mob? And it got to the point towards the end where the mob was not on mobbing at any point in time, unless there was really, really minor tasks and it was a Friday afternoon everybody was tired. But the rest of the time, even when we suggested let's try to split the mob and, and work separately, uh, I, think, I think the mob rejected the idea. So, yes, it became very, uh, very infectious. And, and it created a level of comfort and interactions that, that actually, I think, benefited all of us. We, yeah. all, we all really enjoyed that. I've, I've been experiencing mob programming this month. So we've had a month of working on Cucumber Pro. In October, we closed the doors and none of us have gone away for training. And um, we've had we, uh, pretty much every morning this month, I've been mobbing with you know some of some of my favorite people to code with um and it's the first time i've experienced it and i've found it amazingly good um the way that you get to bake in every single person's sense of what is good and bad code into the solution so there's every line of code that's there is is believed in by everybody in the group and I, I've I've found that phenomenally powerful. It seems that um, the code only moves forwards. You know, you don't end up with this thing of it kind of like going sideways one day and then back the other way the next day. It just keeps moving forward. Um, and it sounds as though actually mobbing is the, really the key thing here. So all of these things that you've 
talked about doing away with like the daily stand-ups and the, and the wall are all about sort of intra-team communication. So helping the pe- different pairs to know what's going on. Um, and of course, if you're mobbing, you know what's going on because you're all working on the same thing. And um, the, the retrospectives as well are a way for you to to come together and kind of see patterns about things that you're uncomfortable with or things that aren't working. And what we've certainly found is that we've been basically retrospecting every single day, sometimes even during the mobbing sessions, but we're actually um, being quite careful to stop 15 minutes before the end of the morning session and just stop and say like, how did that go? What did we learn today? And sometimes we've learned some things about the code or the project. Sometimes we've learned some things about protocols about how we collaborate as a mob. And um, it's been been fascinating to see that you can kind of you can do your do all of these activities in kind of in in process rather than having to wait and do them some other time. So I, I think I think this is this this really resonates with our experience uh, that you know we we this gave us the opportunity of of because we were so close together um, there was this opportunity every time someone would notice a glitch right something's not working. Uh, you know, someone's suddenly distracted with an email. Oh, okay. We need uh, we need to stop, and we just, we need to have a conversation about uh, what's the etiquette here. You know, actually, we've been working together for three weeks, uh, but we haven't yet agreed on what happens when someone wants to check their emails, right? Um, so these were like these little indicators for us to say, okay, let's let's uh, retrospect. Let's uh, you know, there's something to to be fixed here. Yeah, and I think I think that's the point. I mean, I remember us talking about uh, real-time retrospectives all the way back in two thousand and seven uh, at uh, at the uh, conference in, in 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 Texas. And and I think the, the the principle is even more important in the mob. You you why when we said that we threw away retrospective, we threw away the concept of a retrospective as a specific time. What we did instead was to say, well, whenever there's a problem, or when it, Whenever there's something that is preventing us from continuing working efficiently and everybody and making everybody happy, then we just stop at that point. We discuss, we propose a couple of options to find a solution. We try something new. We'll see if it sticks. And we don't need to talk necessarily about the positives of what we're doing to try to reinforce them because we're in a mob. And because we're in a mob, the things that are positive are automatically being reinforced because the team tends to start doing them more anyway, nearly by magic. So you don't need to reflect on the positives because the positives get reinforced by the mob advancing forward. And the negatives, we just address them in real time when we see that there's something that has evolved to become a problem. Email interruptions, working on the side, having your own projects, whatever it was in the team that would um, get people to want to talk. Um, and, that, and, that, and that doesn't require a very high level of trust in the team. Because what, you, what, what some people would say would be, well, some people might not feel comfortable speaking up in a group, and that's completely understandable. But because you work much more all together all the time, uh, you build a trustful environment in which actually speaking up is part of a conversation. It's not the loudest people talking. It's more of a conversation where anything that gets noticed at any point in time, just like a group of friends, would get picked up by someone else, and then we would try to address those problems as they happen. Yeah, so do you think mobbing is more or less tiring than pairing? It is intense at times, and I think uh, one of the sources of that intensity is that that social interaction. Yeah, that the fact that you're so close together and that you, you know, there's much more emotions 
Um, so I think that that is one aspect which probably is is a little bit more challenging. Um, but I found out that we we actually got much more done. So we we're much more productive. But through that, uh, you know, you, you tend to be more focused. So it's more intense. I think, I think it's just, for me, it's much more, for me, it's much more, much, much less tiring because it fits my, my way of thinking much better. For example, the, the coding itself for me is just an accessory to the thinking. And what mobbing gives me is a whole, a whole army of keyboard users. <laughs> and I can just walk around the table pacing all day long. It's actually great for your back as well because you, you don't stay static. You can move around while still focusing on the code. It's absolutely brilliant. And I tend to not take the keyboard very much because I don't want. I, I, I don't feel like I need to learn anything on the keyboard on that specific language. So I don't necessarily want to practice the keyboard very much. I'd much rather leave it for others. But it allows me to have a conversation about what we're doing as we're doing it while being able to move around, look outside the window, look at the door, and let's be pace all the time. You can ask Martin. I, I very rarely sit down. So, so that's that's interesting. How do you, how did you the mob kind of work for you guys? So uh, you said you didn't take the keyboard very much, but you were talking. Did you have like specific roles for people during the day, or was it much more fluid? So, so I think uh, we we took you know mobbing in one team will look very different to mobbing in another team, uh, and I know that Woody, um, you know, who came up with the term, is is uh, has got a particular pattern that we were suddenly not following. Uh, so, you know, in there, the guys, there would be an explicit person who would have the keyboard and would do the writing and they would not do, they would be kind of the the driver. And then, you know, someone, the, the other people are the navigators, right? Uh, but in our case, uh, we kind of relaxed the rules. Uh, so there would there was always one person who was kind of in charge. So there was the one person who would share their screen with everyone else. Uh, the one person who would do the typing, uh, but you know, you could you could be that person for uh, half an hour uh, up to you know half a t- until lunchtime. So the whole morning. We we had a kind of convergent decision making process for everything, including mobbing. So most of the time, when we would be on a piece of work, we would say, "Well, who wants to be who wants to be typing that one?" And and there would always be someone different that would be. Uh, wanting to do a very specific piece of work, so we didn't really have any need to enforce a, a a pattern or a rhythm, if you will, because it kind of self-emerged. We did we did put a rule at some point because some people say, "Oh yes, if people stay too long on the keyboard." So I think we had a, a loose rule of really after two hours you should let the keyboard go. Um, but mostly for most people, it was, "Oh, I'd like to be typing that piece." I think there was also some feedback from some people on the team that were saying that uh, because so many ideas were being floated around about the code currently being coded, the person actually doing the typing very often uh, has to shut off their, their thinking brain for a little bit just to be able to, <clears throat> to be the transcriptor. And I think, I think that's quite different. Yeah, I mean, this was, this was actually fascinating. And, and this was, you know, like... Um, a little revelation that someone would have at least once a week, uh, which would be, you know, you're sitting there at the keyboard and the focus is on you uh, and you feel really dumb because you suddenly kind of, you know, don't see the things that, that you feel everyone else around you sees. 
Um, <laughs> you know, because everyone's shouting like, just just fix it, just 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 that line. And you're at the keyboard, and I'm like, which line? I have no idea. Uh, so yeah, line numbers very important because then we just go like, yeah, twenty eight, and and that would unblock the person. Oh yeah, fine, twenty eight. I can easily fix that. It's actually very good because it, it teaches you something that you don't necessarily know how to do, which is to communicate about the code being typed about without pointing and without taking over the keyboard. In, 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 and but I think what I used to be told all the time, which is use your words, because someone like me is important, uh, it's actually allowing you to discuss the code uh, being, being typed by being able to very specifically say, no, we're talking about the method at line blah. And, and get that automatism instead of the point and, and do what my mother does. And she's, now the thing about the thing in the thing, you know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So so let me let me put my skeptics hat on for a minute, right? Um, in, in the situation where we've probably all encountered where you've got a team that doesn't even do pairing and they're used to what developers do is they work on their own with their own set of tasks and they kind of chug through them. And you've got like you know, six or eight people all independently making code, cranking out code in parallel. There's loads of code getting cranked out every day. And you talk about introducing pairing and they think, well, I'm going to get half as much code written. This is, that's crazy. Like that would be really inefficient, really inefficient use of these eight people I've got. If you're talking now about having one production line of code, one single thread of execution for my team to produce code through, speak about that for 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 a few minutes or two of you about your experience about how you could convince that person that this is genuinely an efficient way to use those people and is there a sweet spot do you think in terms of the numbers i mean obviously if you had a mob of 50 people all trying to work on the same same code base that would be inefficient okay well so let's start by uh, by looking at cranking out the lines of code uh, so i think this is something that uh, uh, you know, of course, if you look, if you measure productivity through the number of lines of code written, absolutely don't ever think about pairing or mobbing. Terrible idea. Um, actually, that, that always reminds me of my um, teacher at university who's, who told me about his first uh, uh, job as a programmer where he went on uh, work on a big C, uh, C code base. Um, and they were actually rewarding people for the number of lines of code that would get compiled. Um, and he very quickly uh, learned to uh, have huge header files and include them everywhere. <laughs> and they found out that, you know, it's like, what? You, you've got like 10,000 lines in a day. How did you manage that? Uh, so, so, yeah. So if we take those extremes away, um, I think uh, actually for us, this was, it was more important to delete the code than write new code. Uh, and I think with that, uh, with that kind of hat on, uh, the mobbing wasn't a problem at all. Uh, and of course, it, it was obvious for us, uh, not for others, uh, but the, the primary way that we try to gain buy-in and, and, um, and try to convey the message that it's not the number of lines of code that we produce, but the software uh, was by, by trying to do regular show and tell, regular demos, for as many people as possible and show the progress. Look, you know, we've been in this room for a week, we've been in this room for two weeks, and this is what we've achieved. Look, here is how you can do this one thing that you couldn't uh, see us do last week. I think, I think there's, also, there's also a fundamental misunderstanding in the community in what, what is the cost 
of development. <clears throat> code, code is not a linear cost. New features do not cost the same three months in the last project as they are at the very beginning of a project. Everything that you do in a project will impact the cost of delivering further, future, further features down the line. So you're really looking at a cone, and that cone can increase very, very fast, where if you have code rocks or you miss a whole bunch of opportunities in reducing the code size, simplifying, and doing all the things to keep a code base moving, then very suddenly and very quickly things come to a halt. Anyone that works in banking would know about that. So, uh, so, so there is, there is this, cost, this cost there. When you have a mob that works essentially on finding one pattern, well, a set of patterns they're comfortable with, architect the code using one simple architectural, uh, simple architectural principles. These things are well known by everyone. You can build up on the cool stuff you did previously to advance the features faster. You can't do that if everybody doesn't have knowledge of all the code. Secondly, because you work as a mob, it's much easier to continuously revisit the previous bits that you did and keep the code with no, um, with no uh, legacy in it. Or things that you want to address, you can address them on each of the tasks and prevent code rot and prevent things that you delay. But at the same time, you also have two fundamentals in mobbing that you do not have otherwise. The first one is you don't, uh, you don't have the cost of missed opportunities in the sense that you do not risk coding using something that already existed uh, but is dead instead of something new and then not refactoring it or going down the wrong line spending two days rebuilding something that already exists because you didn't know about it. And then there's also the simple principle that the, co the code that costs the more the most is the one that you code and two days in you realize that it's not going anywhere and you code it too much and it's too far off from the original feature and the original intent and because there was only two of you you kind of bump off one another and you keep on going and you don't realize that you've went way over where you needed to deliver this feature because you have a continuous group that continuously tells you this bit we can afford not to do right now. Now we can delay that work later on. Everybody knows that that work is delayed. This is technical debt we have to solving later. This bit, we don't have any requirements for it. You ain't going to need it. Let's not build it. This bit, actually, did you think about using that stuff we built last week instead of rebuilding? And the moments where you don't have the mob are the moments usually where people go and write. Uh, we, had the, we had the case a couple of times where people spend an afternoon writing 150 lines of PowerShell, and I come mm -hmm. back on this the next day, and it turns into 10 lines because people didn't necessarily have the knowledge and I wasn't there at that time. So having all the knowledge all the time allows you to write 10 lines instead of 150. So I think, I think all those costs are the ones that are not linear and are certainly not reliant. And I think if you understand those costs, then you understand that it is much more efficient and productive to work in a mob because you only build the right things, hopefully. Yeah, it's, it's much easier for people to, to kind of challenge each other constantly and say, you know, is this good enough? Is, can, can we stop here? You know, don't, don't go too far. Don't do gold, gold plating. Um, uh, the other thing which I think I'll, I'll just quickly throw in there as well is, is that we've managed to do, because of the mob, there were times where we could actually be quite effectively using um, what's sometimes called in, in the lean manufacturing, the um, kind of concurrent set-based design. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah. we would split up. P people would experiment with different ways of doing the same thing. We would do them in parallel for a little bit, you know, an hour or two or three, 
and where we'd come together and say, ah, actually, now we have an, a, a much wider option space and we can make a decision rather than there's a pair who did one thing for way too long just to find out much, much further down the line that it didn't work and nobody else was looking at the same problem at the same time and now we have to go back and re-understand the requirements or whatever else it is. So, so it sounds like you're saying that you'd break up the mob when you're doing kind of research tasks and things. Are there any other kinds of areas that you would that you thought mobbing wasn't the right tool for the job i think breaking a mob is a big word uh, breaking a mob would suggest okay. that the mob itself stops working and you end up with individuals doing their own thing what we did have a lot of was very small manual tasks that should really be done but really there is nothing to learn or share they're mechanical in nature uh, and there's two things that happen, I think, in a mob with that. The first one is you tend to automate away these things so that you don't have to deal with them. But the other thing is, in practicality, you always have some. And even, even, even then, what happens is people tend to take these as a secondary job while the mob is continuing. Because they're mechanical in nature, you don't really need to think about them very much. So what happens is you're continuously in the mob, but you kind of do something on the side at the same time on your own laptop. Things like updating hmm. DNS entries or doing that kind of stuff. You do the small little changes like that kind of continuously. So it's, it's, it's like um, I, I, I have one of the slides where we have the, um, you know, the, the desert, um, oh, yeah, yes. uh, desert yes. road where it's one big lane and there's just a little bit of a lane on the side just for a takeover. And it's a little bit like that. So it's a one-piece flow, but with just enough that you can fetch in very small little bits and pieces while the mill continues. Yeah, exactly. So you can, you know, people people tend to get a little bit of slack here and there. And, and actually, if you understand well the direction you're going, you can use that little slack for people to kind of pick up little bits, just enough to to kind of keep them, you know, not distract them from what the, the, the mob is doing, but keep that little piece of work uh, progressing. Uh, so, so I think, you know, you've, you've mentioned uh, just a moment ago that maybe if we did this, that the, the, the set based design sessions, uh, it felt like we broke up the mope, but that wasn't necessarily always the case uh, because uh, even though, you know, we suddenly be pairs, we would still have this hum of conversation in the room and this throwing ideas over um, and, you know, and the drawing on the whiteboard uh, and things like that, which which really uh, meant that it, there was this constant interaction and exchange of ideas and exchange of thoughts. Buzzing. I love, I love that word. It's buzzing. Yeah. It's a little bit like a, it's a little bit like bees are around the honeypot. We, we may so, temporarily be working on a, a very specific bit, but there's, there's a continuous movement to continue feeding and, and feeding from and to um, other, other bees yeah. on, on, on the work that we're doing. Yeah. You know how we are really good as humans kind of detecting different patterns and this pattern recognition. So you would actually learn about the patterns of other people. For example, what do they look like when they get stuck? Right, so you you're working here, and you suddenly somehow pick up that that the person who's just here is stuck, and you nobody said anything. You just you just sensed it because you know they they twitched or they held the keyboard in a different way, or they scream and they leave the room like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Cool. I I think this is fascinating. I'd love to talk more about it, but unfortunately, I think we're running out of time right now. Um, so I'm going to have to wrap things up. If our listeners want to contact you and ask you any questions about this, where's the best place for them to get hold of you on the internet? 
uh, Twitter, uh, at mflorian for me. At Serial Seb for me. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. That was a great Cucumber podcast. And, and I'd just like to say goodbye. Thank you very much for having us. Can I say goodbye as well? Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. 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 Bye.